You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on this Tuesday. December the 13th, in the house with your boy, Trey Larkins. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show the follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys. No sports. Another action jam-packed show, ladies and gentlemen, that I have in store for you tonight. Come on in and sit a while, folks. We got some great topics tonight for the show. Yeah, I know I had to open the show up. With the GOAT, Tupac, with that Me Against the World instrumental, man. Hey, I know everybody, when they talk about rappers and greatest rappers of all time, some people say it's Biggie. Some people say it's Lil Wayne. Some people say it's Ice Cube. Shout out to Ice Cube. Cube, great rapper and actor. But for me, the GOAT has always been Tupac. And I had to pay homage to Tupac tonight with that Me Against the World. One of my favorite songs from Tupac. But tonight's show is NFL Week 14 recap. I'm going to discuss the 49ers' dominant performance over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also, I'm going to discuss later on in the show. Tua came up short again. This time it came at the hands of Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. And also later on in the show, the New Orleans Pelicans are surging, playing some sensational basketball right now. And Zion Williamson has emerged as an NBA MVP candidate. And the Clippers, they blew out the Celtics last night. So I'm going to talk about that game as well here in a bit. But we begin in the NFL, in the AFC North, with the Cincinnati Bengals' dominant performance over the Cleveland Browns Sunday afternoon at Paycar Stadium. The Bengals beat the Browns 23-10. to 10. This was Joe Burrow's first career win against the Browns. For the Browns, Deshaun Watson, he went 26 of 42. He threw for 276 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. For the Bengals, Joe Burrow, he went 18 of 33. He threw for 239 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and Jamar Chase had 10 receptions, 119 receiving yards, and one touchdown. So my reaction to the Bengals beating the Cleveland Browns on Sunday afternoon was the Cincinnati Bengals are the hottest team in the NFL. Notice, I didn't say that the Cincinnati Bengals are the best team in the NFL. I said the Cincinnati Bengals are the hottest team in the NFL right now, and they are currently on a five-game winning streak. And the five-game winning streak began in week nine, a 42-21 home win against the Carolina Panthers. And Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals have not 
looked back ever since. And the, these wins that the Bengals have had during this five-game winning streak, three of those five wins came without their star receiver in Jamar Chase. And I got to give some credit to Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow has elevated himself to being in that NFL MVP conversation. For the season, Joe Burrow got 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 3,685 passing yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. Joe Burrow has been nothing short of sensational. And this is Joe Burrow this season in the fourth quarter of one-score games. His QBR is 85. That's ranked first in the NFL. He got seven touchdowns. That's ranked first in the NFL. His yards per drop back is 7.8. That's ranked second in the NFL. Joe Burrow has been scorching hot for the Cincinnati Bengals football team, and he has elevated himself to being a top three NFL MVP candidate at this current moment. I'm going to discuss my NFL MVP race a little bit later on in the show, but it is undeniable how great Joe Burrow has been playing during this Bengals five-game winning streak. And again, this came without the services of Jamar Chase in three of those five games during the winning streak. And honestly, when I look at Joe Burrow and I look at the head coach that he has in Zach Taylor, Zach Taylor is not to be confused with Andy Reid. Zach Taylor is not to be confused with the Sean McDermott. Those are the head coaches that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen have the luxury of playing for. And Zach Taylor is not an elite head coach in the NFL. Despite his team going to the Super Bowl last year, I don't look at Zach Taylor as being an elite head coach. I believe Zach Taylor has benefited from being the head coach of a very, very talented Bengals football team. You look at this Bengals offense at quarterback, they got Joe Burrow one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. You got Jamar Chase, a star receiver who is young and on the come up. You got T. Higgins, who if he was on other teams in the NFL, not named the Cincinnati Bengals, T. Higgins would be a number one receiver. They got Tyler Boyd. You got Joe Mixon and Pirine in the backfield, a one-two punch at the running back position. Okay, defensively, you got Logan Wilson. Up front, you got DJ Reader. Trey Henderson, Sam Hubbard. In your back end, you got Jesse Bates. You got Von Bell. This Bengals football team is loaded top to bottom. So I don't believe when you talk about Joe Burrow's success as a quarterback, I'm not saying that Zach Taylor doesn't know his football. He's probably forgotten more football than I will ever know. But I don't believe that Joe Burrow is playing for an elite coach the same way Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are. So I love the way Joe Burrow is playing. And you look at this Bengals offense during this five-game winning streak. 
the Bengals have outscored their opponents 30 to 20. They are averaging 408 yards per game compared to their opponents who are averaging 323 yards per game. And Burrow has 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. The Bengals' opponents have five touchdowns, three interceptions. So this Bengals team is playing at a very, very high level right now, and they're playing some sensational football. And even on the defensive side of the ball, defensive coordinator Lou Adamaral, we got to give him some credit because defensively right now, the Bengals are playing at a high level. They held this elite Browns rushing attack that features Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to only 71 rushing yards Sunday afternoon. We know the Browns' strength is running the football, and that Bengals defensive line did a sensational job against that Browns' offensive line. Trey Henderson, Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader, BJ Hill, they were sensational against the Browns' offensive line Sunday afternoon at Paycar Stadium. Holding the Browns to only 71 rushing yards? That's a sensational performance by that Bengals defense. So I love the way this Bengals team is playing right now. They're playing of playing balanced football. Offensively, we know they can put up points, but defensively, they're doing an outstanding job as well. Held the Browns to four of 15 on third downs in this matchup. And Deshaun Watson didn't look very good. He didn't look very good. We got to get some credit to that Bengals defense. And, you know, you look at the Bengals secondary. In their secondary, they got Eli Apple. I'm not a believer in Eli Apple, but he's been playing pretty well in the absence of Azawuki. That's their cornerback that they lost for the season. Eli Apple has done a pretty good job. They got Cam Taylor Britt at the other cornerback position. You got Jesse Bates and Von Bell as your safeties. So I think this Bengals team is in prime position to go on a run as we get closer to the playoffs. The same way last year during the regular season, the Bengals peaked towards the end of the season. We're seeing the Bengals trend in that same direction. And you look at the Bengals' remaining four games. They're at Tampa Bay in Week 15. The way the Bucs have been playing, that should be a win for the Bengals. I would favor the Bengals over the Buccaneers, the way that they've been playing recently, and the way the Bucs have looked. Even though it's Tom Brady, we know how great Tom Brady is, the Bengals have a more complete football team than the Bucs do. Week 16, the Bengals are a way more superior team than the Patriots are. Week 17, this is a key matchup for the Bengals. At Paycar Stadium, January 2nd, Monday Night Football, going to be a great, great game between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. I'm looking forward to that game, and that's the game that I have circled. If the Bengals can win that game, Bengals could possibly have the road to the Super Bowl come through the Queen City. Week 18, they got the Ravens. We don't know how healthy Lamar Jackson is going to be. But I expect Lamar Jackson to be back at that point in the season. But Bengals are definitely trending in the right direction. And they're trending towards not only winning the AFC North, but being the number one seed in the AFC. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. 
And be sure to follow the wise guys on Instagram at these guys know sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the Chargers win over the Dolphins. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget the Wise Guys question of the day on tonight's show. Who is your current NFL MVP? Who you got right now? Is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Joe Burrow? Is it Tua? Or is it Jalen Hurts? Who is your NFL MVP right now to start? the campaign for NFL MVP because we get we get into that time of year. It, it, it's week 15 and who is going to elevate themselves to being the leader for NFL MVP. And before I get into the Dolphins Chargers matchup, I want to say this real quick about the Bengals because I didn't get a chance to say this before. The only question I have about the Bengals is their offensive line. This year Joe Burrow has been sacked 35 times. That's tied for the fourth most in the NFL. That's the only questions I have about this Bengals football team. I think this Bengals football team from top to bottom, they have very, very little weaknesses. And y'all know I am not a Bengal fan whatsoever. I am a Packers fan at heart, and I love to trash talk Bengal fans. But I got to be honest about what I'm seeing. I got to be honest about what the hell I'm seeing right now. And the Bengals from top to bottom have a very, very complete football team. The only questions about the Bengals is that offensive line. Center Ted Karras, right guard Alex Kappa, right tackle Lyle Collins, left guard Cordell Volson, left tackle Jonah Williams. Those five individuals are going to be the determining factor on whether or not the Bengals can go on another deep playoff run. Burrow's been sacked 35 times this year, tied for the fourth most in the NFL. They have to protect Joe Burrow. And when I was talking about the number one seed, this was after the Bengals win over the Chiefs. Best chance to earn the AFC number one seed this was, according to ESPN's analytics, the Chiefs at 9-3 had a 48% chance to earn the AFC number one seed. The Bills at 9-3 had a 42% chance to earn the AFC number one seed. And the Bengals had a 6% chance to earn the number one seed in the AFC. I think with the win over the Browns, the Bengals increased their chances at being able to earn the number one seed in the AFC. It'll be a great finish to the finish line between these elite teams in the AFC to see who ultimately has the number one seed in the conference. Is it going to be the Chiefs and Mahomes? Is it going to be the Bills and Josh Allen? Is it going to be Burrow and the Bengals? Can't wait to find out. Let's transition to the Miami Dolphins and the L.A. Chargers 
the Chargers beat the Dolphins 23-17. to 17. For the Dolphins to a struggle, he went 10 of 28. He threw for 145 passing yards, one touchdown. Tyreek Hill had four receptions, 81 receiving yards, one touchdown. For the Chargers, Herbert had a great game. He went 39 of 51. He threw for 367 passing yards, one touchdown. And Mike Williams had six receptions, 116 receiving yards, one touchdown. After the game, Tua and Justin Herbert spoke about this game. Take a listen. If we want to get to where we want to go, um, you know, it starts tomorrow. It starts with watching the film, fixing our, our mistakes, um, looking at what we did well and correcting that. And, um, you know, I, I think there is a lot of football left to be played. Um, we're going to get some guys healthy and get some guys back. Um, so just got to keep rolling. I think this is just another opportunity for us as a, as a team, um, you know, to, to face this and, and look at it head on um, and, and learn from it. There's, there's no other way that uh, you can go around it. Um, we'll, we'll look at it uh, straight in the eye and, and see what we can learn from this. And we, we got to turn the page quick because we you now we're playing a really good team next week as well. That was Tua and Justin Herbert after the Chargers beat the Dolphins 23-17. to So for me, I watched this game Sunday night on NBC. I, and my biggest takeaway from this game was, is Tua Tagovailoa? going to be uh, Achilles heel for the Miami Dolphins as we head into the playoffs? Because I look at Tua in this game, Tua to go 10 for 28 and have 145 passing yards was pathetic. Like, Tua was awful in this game. And it makes you wonder when you look at the Miami Dolphins as a football team, we love the job that Mike McDaniel has done so far this season, progressing Tua to be one of the best quarterbacks this season. And honestly, the Dolphins offensively, they got weapons. You got Jalen Waddle. You got Tyreek Hill. You got Mostart in the backfield. So the Dolphins have what it takes to be an elite offense. And we know that their defense is middle of the pack. They're middle of the pack defensively. So I believe that when you look at this Dolphins football team, the biggest question mark has to be Tua Tagovailoa. Ladies and gentlemen, at one point in this game, Tua in the third quarter, he was 3 of 17 for 25 passing yards. That was in the third quarter of this game. And you look at Tua, at the half, his passer rating was 39.6. And he only completed 36% of his passes in this game. That's the worst by a Dolphins quarterback since 1980 with a minimum of 25 pass attempts. Tua has been terrible in these last two weeks for the Miami Dolphins, and the numbers back it up. Let's talk about Tua in the first nine games of the season compared to the last two games. In the first nine games of the season, 
Tua completed 70% of his passes. In the last two games, he's completed 46% of his passes. His passing yards per attempt in the first nine games was nine. It's 7.2 in the last two games. In the first nine games of the season, he had 19 touchdowns, three interceptions. His last two games, three touchdowns, two interceptions. In the first nine games, his passer rating was 115.7. In the last two games, it's 73.1. So, Tua Tagovailoa in the last two games has regressed. And when I look at this Dolphins football team, I think Tua could be the Achilles heel of them being able to be true contenders in the AFC. I mean, I mean, I look at these other quarterbacks that the Dolphins are going to have to face in the playoffs. You're going to have to possibly face Joe Burrow. You're going to have to face Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to face Justin Herbert. You're going to have to face Josh Allen. You're going to have to face Lamar Jackson. And when I compare Tua to those quarterbacks I just named, I'm not sure Tua can play at the elite level like those quarterbacks I just named. We talked about coming into this matchup how it's Tua versus Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert outperformed Tua significantly in this win for the Chargers. Seriously. He completely outplayed Tua in this game. It wasn't even close. And for those of you who have questions about Herbert and his ability, please stop questioning Justin Herbert and whether or not Herbert can be a franchise starting quarterback and lead this Chargers football team. We got to stop. We got, we got to stop because you look at Justin Herbert so far in his career, Herbert has 13,506 career passing yards. That's the most by a quarterback in their first three seasons in the NFL. And we see the talent with Herbert. We see the arm strength and the way Herbert has played so far this season. So far this season, Herbert has 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 3,706 passing yards. He's completed 68% of his passes. Mind you, this is for majority of the season without Keenan Allen, without Mike Williams at one point during the season. So Justin Herbert is getting better. And the only question that we have about Herbert is whether or not he's going to lead his team to the playoffs this season. That's the only question we got about Justin Herbert. Because I think Justin Herbert has the talent like Josh Allen, like Patrick Mahomes, like Joe Burrow, like Lamar Jackson. But the question about Herbert is, can he lead his football team to the postseason? He hasn't gotten his team to the postseason in his first two seasons in the NFL. So we got to see if he can do it in his third season. They're the seventh seed right now in the AFC. So they definitely in the playoff mix. But also, Brandon Staley, that's the head coach of the L.A. Chargers. For his career, he's 16-14. and 14. He's won 53% of his games in two seasons. I got my questions about Brandon Staley. I look at these other quarterbacks like 
Mahomes, he has Andy Reid. Josh Allen has Sean McDermott. Even though he's a defensive guy, he's a leader of men. I don't know about Brandon Staley yet. Brandon Staley has had questionable decisions during games as a head coach. I mean, last year, it seemed like every time it was fourth down, Brandon Staley decided to go for it on fourth down. And I know it shows that you trust your young quarterback in Herbert and that offense, but you got to be smart as a football coach. So I got my questions about Brandon Staley, but when it comes to Herbert, he has the physical talent and he has athleticism and great arm strength to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. I believe you can win a Super Bowl with Justin Herbert. I'm not so sure if you can win a Super Bowl with Tua Tagovailoa. And shout out to Chargers defensive coordinator, Ronaldo Hill, because I thought they had a great game plan against that elite Dolphins offense. We know that the only way you can possibly slow down the Dolphins receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is to get physical. You got to get physical with them. And I thought they did a hell of a job in this game, even with players out. That's why I was so disappointed with Tua, because the Chargers defensively, they had players that were out in this football game. They weren't at full strength. And Tua couldn't even throw for 150 passing yards. So this this three-game stretch for the Dolphins is telling me a lot about Tua Tagovailoa. They lost last week to the 49ers. Tua struggled in that game. He struggled in this matchup in week 14 against the Chargers. They have another AFC East battle in week 15 in Buffalo. So I I know it may sound crazy, but even right now at 8-5, the Dolphins could miss the playoffs. They could miss the playoffs. This this is, is the Dolphins' final four games. They are at Buffalo in week 15. They're home against the Packers in week 16. You know which Aaron Rodgers is going to show up. They're at New England in week 17. That should be a win. And then they're home against the Jets in week 18. That's not a guaranteed win for the Dolphins, especially not the way Tua is playing right now. We know how elite that Jets defense is. So even at 8-5, Dolphins' playoff hopes could be in jeopardy. I still expect them to make the playoffs, but. The way Tua has been playing has not been impressive for the Miami Dolphins. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss my Wise or Lies segment of the day. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore Wait, Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Call into the show and give me your current NFL MVP. Who you got? Is it Jalen Hurts? Is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Tua Tagovailoa? Or is it Joe Burrow? 
Call in, give me your vote tonight on the show. I'm going to discuss NFL MVP here shortly. But let's transition to my wise or lies segment of the day. It's that time, ladies and gentlemen, for my wise or lies segment of the day. Clay Thompson scored 34 points. Steph Curry added 32 points with six three-pointers. And Golden State beat Boston 123-107 on Saturday night in a primetime rematch of this year's NBA Finals, won by the Warriors in six games. Steve Kerr said, quote, we gutted it out. Steph and Clay obviously had it rolling, so we were able to make shots. So is it wise or lies to say that Clay Thompson is the most important factor in the Warriors repeating? I believe, ladies and gentlemen, that that is wise. Clay Thompson is definitely the most important factor in the Warriors repeating as NBA champs. You look at Clay Thompson so far this season, he's averaging 19 points per game. That's on 41% shooting from the floor, shooting 39% from three-point range. But we know that Clay Thompson is a great sharpshooter, and he helps make up that great shooting backcourt alongside Steph Curry. This is the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history, and the Golden State Warriors have no chance in hell at being able to repeat without Klay Thompson playing at an elite level. You look at Klay Thompson for his career, he averages 20 points per game on 46% shooting from the floor, shoots 42% from three-point range. So we know Steph Curry is their best player, and we know that Draymond Green is the heart and soul of the Golden State Warriors. But the Golden State Warriors need Klay Thompson to play at an elite level to repeat as champion. Because you got other teams in the NBA, like the Celtics with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard when they're healthy, and John Morant and that great supporting cast in Memphis, and the Pelicans with Zion, Brandon Ingram, and CJ McCollum. You're going to need Klay Thompson to play at a high level for the Warriors. To repeat because I love Steph Curry, I love Jordan Poole, and you need Clay Thompson, a part of that trio, as a great shooting backcourt. So, yes, I believe Clay Thompson is the most important factor in the Warriors repeating as NBA champs. Arizona Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray is believed to have tore his ACL after suffering a non contact knee injury on the opening drive in Monday's. 27 to 13 loss to the New England Patriots. A source told ESPN's Josh Weinfuss. Murray is set for an MRI for today. The MRI did confirm that Murray did, in fact, tear his ACL. The signal caller was carted off the field after falling to the ground on a three yard scramble on the Cardinals' third play of the game. So, is it wise or lies to say Cliff Kingsbury's job could be in jeopardy? heading into next season without the services of Kyler Murray. That is wise as well. I believe that Cliff Kingsbury's job could be in jeopardy because I don't believe that Cliff Kingsbury deserved to get the job anyway as the Arizona Cardinals head football coach. I never believed in Chris, Cliff Kingsbury. Let me be very, very clear. You look at Cliff Kingsbury's 
coaching career at Texas Tech, he went 35 and 40. If my math is correct, that means he lost 87 or only one, only one at the University of Texas Tech. He only won 47% of his games at Texas Tech. The man only won 47% of his games at Texas Tech, and he gets the job at Arizona for the Arizona Cardinals. And so far since he's been the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, Cliff Kingsbury is 28, 33, and 1. So he's won 46% of his games as a head coach in the NFL. So without Kyler Murray, I'm not sure Cliff Kingsbury is going to be able to survive as head coach in the NFL. I'm not sure. I don't believe he deserved a job to begin with. So I got my questions about Cliff Kingsbury and his ability to coach this football team. When I look at the job that the Panthers are doing right now with their head coach in Steve Wilkes, he's doing a great job. He's doing an outstanding job as head coach in Carolina. And I see the Panthers improving week to week. They just upset the Seattle Seahawks last week. And then you see the job that Brian Dayball has done in New York with the Giants and seeing how he had Daniel Jones playing pretty good football in the early part of the season. So I look at these head coaches and I feel like if you can't lead a group of men and can't improve your football team on a week-to-week basis, you don't deserve to be a head coach in the NFL. And I don't believe that Cliff Kingsbury has elevated this Arizona Cardinals football team to be their head coach and to be able to have his job until Kyler Murray comes back. I just don't really believe in him as a head coach. Wide receiver Cole Beasley is coming out of retirement and signing with the Buffalo Bills. Practice squad, the team announced Tuesday. Beasley will likely be promoted to the game day roster in short order, reports NFL Network's Mike Garflo. The 33-year-old retired in October, a month after signing with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He recorded four receptions for 17 yards in two games after Tampa activated him from the practice squad. So is it wise or last to say Cole Beasley will have an impact in the Bills' offense? I think that's wise. I think Beasley, as a veteran, could definitely have an impact on that Bills offense, you look at Beasley, you know, and what he was able to do for his career. Beasley has 554 receptions, 5,726 receiving yards, 34 touchdowns. So I, I believe he can bring a veteran presence to that Bills locker room at receiver. You already got I am McKenzie. You already got Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. I think if you add Beasley to that, Bills receiving room, I think he can help that Bills offense flow at an elite level, and the Bills can be one of the premier offenses in the NFL. I definitely definitely feel like Beasley can have an impact on that Bills offense. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. You should follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Come at the break, I'm going to discuss the New Orleans Pelicans I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going to follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Let's transition to some NBA and let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and Zion Williamson. The Pelicans are falling, ladies and gentlemen. They are playing some great basketball. The Pelicans beat the Suns for a second straight time over the weekend, 129 to 124 in overtime for the Pelicans. Zion Williamson had 35 points, eight rebounds, three assists, and the Pelicans are currently first in the Western Conference. This is Zion Williamson after the Pelicans' first win over the Suns. This was on Friday night. This was Zion Williamson talking about the late dunk that he had at the end of the game. Take a listen. That was a little out of character for me, but you got to understand. I mean, you can understand it or not. They sent my teammates home last year. I missed all last year. I got I got carried away a little bit. I admit that. But, you know, I was in that locker room. My brothers were down because, you know, the sun sent us home last year. That, that's a tough moment to be a part of. So in that moment, I got carried away. I admit that. That was out of character for me. So, you know, if they was to do the same thing, I have no problem with it. That was Zion Williamson reacting to his the altercation that took place after his 360 windmill versus the Phoenix Suns Friday night. Man, before I get into this topic, I just want to say this. It seems like the Phoenix Suns are unraveling right before our very eyes. Like, I believe that when you look at the Phoenix Suns, this is a basketball team whose window has officially closed. It's over for the Phoenix Suns because we know Chris Paul isn't getting any younger. Chris Paul is past his prime. I love Devin Booker as a scorer. I think Devin Booker is big time. I think he's a elite scorer in the NBA. And I like the way Devin Booker scores the basketball at a high level. I, I think that Devin Booker can be a number one, number two option on the championship team. Now, DeAndre Ayton has been pathetic this year. He's been pathetic. He doesn't want to be in Phoenix. We know that he doesn't have a great relationship with Monty Williams. They got into it last year at the end of the playoff series when they got blew off the floor against Luka and the Dallas Mavericks. Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden got into it, and Monty Williams had to bench DeAndre Aiden. And I was shocked in the offseason when the Phoenix Suns matched the offer sheet by the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers wanted DeAndre Aiden. And I was certain that Aiton was headed to Indy. And for, for whatever reason, the Suns decided to match that offer. It made no sense because I don't believe in DeAndre Aiton. I really, really don't. And I don't believe in this Phoenix Suns basketball team. The time has passed. They're going to trade Jay Crowder at some point this season. Cam Johnson is injured. It's a mess in Phoenix. I know their record isn't bad but they are trending in the wrong direction. Let's switch gears to the Pelicans. The Pelicans, on the other hand, 
are trending in a very positive direction, and they're playing some great basketball right now. You look at the Pelicans and what they've been able to do so far during this seven-game winning streak. Zion Williamson, he's been playing at a high level. Zion Williamson is averaging 30 points per game, nine rebounds per game, five assists per game. He's shooting 67% from the floor. And this 39-5 and five over a seven-game stretch is the first time Zion Williamson has been able to do that in his career. And he's now in the NBA MVP conversation. Before that matchup against the Suns Sunday afternoon, his MVP odds were 50 to 1. Now they are 20 to 1. That's sixth in the NBA. So Zion Williamson is playing some great basketball. And this New Orleans Pelicans basketball team is a team that can go the distance in the Western Conference this year. I said it coming into the season that the Pelicans are sleepers in the West. They're sleepers. I love the trio with C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson. That's the best trio in the NBA. And last year, remember, in their first 13 games last year, Willie Green, he was the new head coach for the Pelicans last season. The Pelicans were 1-12 last year at one point. 1-12 in their first 13 games. They ultimately made the playoffs. They were the eighth seed in the playoffs. They lost to the Suns in the first round, but they didn't have Zion in that series. And you heard Zion in his post-game press conference talk about why he dunked at the end of the game because he remembers seeing his teammates' frustrations after their loss to the Phoenix Suns. After the Suns sent the Pelicans home in the first-round playoffs last year, Zion saw his teammates, and he saw how frustrated they were, and Zion wanted to elevate his game, and he was sensational in these two performances against the Suns. I mean, I've never seen in a weekend series two teams who play against each other, one team be significantly better than the other team the way that the Pelicans right now are better than the Phoenix Suns. Like, it, it ain't close. And, rem and remember, this came without Brandon Ingram. This came without Brandon Ingram. And the Pelicans have played 26 games. They've only had their trio of Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum, and Brandon Ingram for 10 of those 26 games. 10 of their 26 games, they've had their trio. They're six and four of those 10 games. So if you're a Pelicans fan, you've got to be excited about the direction that this basketball team is trending right now. You've got to be excited about what you're seeing from this Pelicans team. Overall, you got Zion Williamson. He's averaging 25 points per game this year. You got Brandon Ingram. He's averaging 21 points per game. C.J. McCollum is averaging 18 points per game. A great third option on a championship contender. I've always said that, that C.J. McCollum, to me, he was more of a third option 
than a second option. In Portland, he was a second option on that Blazers basketball team behind Damian Lillard. But I think this is the perfect role for C.J. McCullough. Perfect role. So this, this Pelicans basketball team is a team that you're going to have to keep your eye on as we get later into the season. They've been, they've been sensational. And I, and I can't say enough about the job that Willie Green has done leading this Pelicans basketball team. Seriously. So far this season, their record at 18-8 and eight has got them first in the Western Conference. Got them first in the Western Conference. And I know Golden State and their championship pedigree with the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson is going to have something to say about the Pelicans. I know that if the Clippers can get back a healthy Kawhi Leonard and Paul George with their perimeter defense is going to have something to say about these Pelicans. I know that John Morant and his great supporting cast in Memphis is going to have something to say about these Pelicans. But the way that the Pelicans are playing right now, you have to have them in that conversation for top three teams in the Western Conference who can make the NBA Finals. Yes, they're big time. And this is a market that honestly is more of a football market. They out there in out there in New Orleans, and you know you're you're in New Orleans, and we know that that's a that's really like a football town with the, the Saints and then the LSU Tigers. That's a football state overall. But the Pelicans are making some noise in the Western Conference for sure. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And we should have followed Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the NFL MVP race. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Let me show the follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655. That's the number to dial. It's time for my Wise Guys question of the day. Who is the NFL MVP right now? Let's go to our Twitter results on the Wise Guys Twitter page. And right now, 67% says that Jalen Hurts is the NFL MVP. And 33% says Joe Burrow is the NFL MVP. So no votes for Mahomes or Tua in the NFL MVP race. But as I get into my favorite to win NFL MVP, and this is actually by Caesar Sportsbook, that their odds are plus 5,000 for Tua, plus 1,600 for Josh Allen, plus 600 for Joe Burrow, plus 160 for Mahomes, and minus 110 for Jalen Hurts. So 
when I look at this NFL MVP race, for me, I believe that Jalen Hurts has emerged as the favorite to win NFL MVP because right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, they are 12-1. and one. They are the number one seed in the NFC. So the road to the Super Bowl is going through Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Jalen Hurts, for the season, he got 22 touchdowns, three interceptions, 3,157 passing yards. He's completing 68% of his passes. And here's where Jalen Hurts separates himself from the other MVP candidates who are quarterbacks. He has 139 carries for 686 rushing yards this season. 10 touchdowns. And it's amazing when you look at Jalen Hurts and his MVP odds in the last four weeks. This was entering week 12. Jalen Hurts, his MVP odds were plus 650 entering week 12. They were plus 400 entering week 13. They were plus 160 entering week 14. They're currently a minus 140. So Jalen Hurts has gotten better throughout the season. And when I look at the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL MVP race, Patrick Mahomes just threw three interceptions against the Denver Broncos last week. Joe Burrow started off the season 0-2. Tua Tagovailoa has been terrible in his last two weeks against the 49ers and against the Chargers. Josh Allen has had 11 interceptions and during the middle of the season had a rough stretch. You know who hasn't had a rough stretch? That would be Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts has been consistent, and he hasn't had one bad game this season. Not one time have I walked away from an Eagles game thinking that they possibly could have lost because of Jalen Hurts. That one loss this year that the Eagles have against the Commanders, that wasn't Jalen Hurts' fault. They turned the ball over a lot in that particular game. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles, he fumbled. Quez Watkins caught a pass from Jalen Hurts. He fumbled. So there's not been one game this season where Jalen Hurts has not performed well at a high level. And a lot of people feel like Patrick Mahomes is still the current NFL MVP. Well, let's compare Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, shall we? For the season, total QBR. Hurts is fourth in the NFL. Mahomes is first. Yards per pass attempt. Hurts is third in the NFL. Mahomes is second. Passing touchdowns. Hurts is tied for fifth. Mahomes is first. And interceptions. Hurts is first. Patrick Mahomes is tied for 28. 
in the NFL. So some most of those statistics are advantage Mahomes. So most people think that Mahomes is the NFL MVP, but Jalen Hurts' team has a better record than Patrick Mahomes' team does. Andy Reid is a better coach than Nick Sirianni is as well. And Patrick Mahomes has the luxury of throwing the football to Travis Kelsey. Now, I believe that when it comes to weapons, top to bottom, Hurts has more weapons than Mahomes does because Hurts has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith to throw the ball to. Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, but Travis Kelsey is right now better than A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are. Even though they're different positions, he's a better receiver overall. And I know his position is tight end. That's what we call Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey he is the number one receiver for the Chiefs. So when you factor all that in, I believe that Jalen Hurts is the NFL MVP. Not to mention that the NFC East is a better division than the AFC West is. I know we had the hype in the AFC West coming into the regular season. Oh, we got Russell Wilson with the Broncos. We got Justin Herbert with the Chargers. We got Derek Carr with the Raiders. And we got Mahomes with the Chiefs. It's a possibility that only one quarterback in the AFC West is going to make the postseason. Herbert and the Chargers are fighting for their playoff lives. It's a possibility in the NFC East that the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants and Commanders could all make the postseason. Very unlikely, because I hope either the Giants or the Commanders fall off so the Packers can creep their way into the playoffs. But it's undeniable how, how Jalen Hurts has played so far this season. Like, I look at some of the other quarterbacks that's in the conversation for, for NFL MVP. Joe Burrow got 27 touchdowns, nine interceptions. 3,685 passing yards. He's completed 68% of his passes this year. But Joe Burrow has Jamar Chase. He has T. Higgins. He has Tyler Boyd. And Burrow struggled in the first two or three weeks of the season. He's gotten better as the season has went along. And I think right now he is top three in the NFL MVP conversation. So I'm going to get my list here in a bit. But Joe Burrow has definitely elevated his game as we've gotten late into the season. Josh Allen, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 3,553 passing yards. He's completed 64% of his passes. The Buffalo Bills are leading the AFC East right now at 10-3. But there was a stretch in the middle of the season where Josh Allen was throwing a lot of interceptions. He was throwing a lot of interceptions. and most people believe that Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow. I think they are on the same level. I think that Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are both on the same level. Joe Burrow got his team to the Super Bowl last year, and his team 
beat the Chiefs, something Josh Allen's team could not do last year in the playoffs. But Josh Allen was sensational last year in the postseason. He was great, and he was great the year prior. But I think Joe Burrow and Josh Allen are on the same level. But a lot of people think that Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow, and I disagree. But Tua, his team is 8-5, 22 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 3,004 passing yards, completing 66% of his passes. Last two weeks, Tua has struggled. And he's been the weakest link on that Dolphins offense. You can't be the NFL MVP if you're the weakest link on your team's offense. So right now, for my NFL MVP, when it comes to order, I'm going to go Tua at five, Josh Allen at four, Joe Burrow at three, Patrick Mahomes at two, and Jalen Hurts at one. Jalen Hurts, ladies and gentlemen, is my NFL MVP heading into NFL Week 15. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the 49ers dominating performance over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Love that Brenda's got a baby, man. You can't go wrong with that. There's so many great Tupac songs. So many. And that's probably my favorite. Like, I got it's so many. It's so, it's so hard to choose from. It really, really is. Like, that's how great Tupac was. He was the GOAT when it comes to rap for certain. But let's transition back to the NFL and discuss NFL Week 14 as the 49ers beat the Buccaneers 35-7. to And for the Buccaneers, Tom Brady had a day to forget. He went 34 of 55. He threw for 253 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. For the 49ers, in his first official start, Brock Purdy went 16 of 21. He threw for 185 passing yards, two touchdowns. He even ran for a touchdown as well. So my biggest takeaway from this game was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 6-7 and seven on the season. They are pathetic. And they are not a very good football team. We got to start calling it what it is. This game got so bad, ladies and gentlemen, so bad that Fox turned the game off. This was America's game of the week. And they turned the game off and turned on the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. It has been a rough ride 
for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so far this season. Offensively, they are terrible. They can't run the football at all. You look at their rushing yards against the 49ers, they had 69 rushing yards. Leonard Fournette, for the game, had four carries for 13 rushing yards. Rashad White had 13 carries for 56 rushing yards. Tom Brady had to drop back to pass 55 times in this game. 55 times. This is why the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not contenders in the NFC. We give the Buccaneers a pass because they have Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champion. He's won multiple NFL MVPs in his career, has the most passing touchdowns in NFL history. We know how great Tom Brady is. He's the most accomplished quarterback in NFL history. But this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is awful. We got to start calling it what it is. They can't run the football. They can't protect Tom Brady. They also, defensively, they're not the same defense this year compared to what they have been in previous years. This game, the Buccaneers, they gave up 209 rushing yards to the 49ers. They made Brock Purdy look like a first-round draft pick. And I'm going to talk about Brock Purdy here in a bit, but Mr. Irrelevant turned into Mr. Relevant against this Buccaneers defense. This Buccaneers defense has not been very good this year. And I got to call out Todd Bowles. We know that Todd Bowles was a great defensive coordinator in years prior for this Buccaneers football team. But this year, the Buccaneers defensively, they have not been very good whatsoever. They haven't been very good. We got and and we got to stop giving them a pass because they're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Defensively, they're ranked 20th in the NFL. They give up 125 rushing yards per game. They give up 341 yards per game. That's ranked 11th, which isn't bad, but this is not the same defense. And they got talent defensively. They got Levante David. They got Devin White. Okay, they got Dean and Mike Edwards in their secondary. They got Vita Vea up front. So this Buccaneers defense hasn't been very good this year, but offensively they're one-dimensional, and they're just, just a troubled football team right now. And the only reason why the Buccaneers are being talked about as being a playoff team is because they play in the NFC South. That's the only reason why we're talking about the Buccaneers being a playoff team in the NFC. Now, let's switch gears and talk about the 49ers and how great they have been in these last two games under Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has been great in these last two games for the 49ers. These are games over the Miami Dolphins and over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is what Brock Purdy has done. He's completed 71% of his passes. He got four touchdowns, one interception. His passer rating is 105.2. And I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers and the way that they're utilizing Brock Purdy is the same way they utilized Jimmy G 
but they've even given Brock Purdy a chance to expand the 49ers offense overall. There were some plays in this game that Kyle Shanahan allowed Brock Purdy to make as a quarterback and some throws up the sideline that he didn't allow Jimmy Garoppolo to make. There were I feel like when I watched Jimmy G for the 49ers over the last few years, they have basically made the playbook smaller under Jimmy Garoppolo. But it looks like under Brock Purdy that they have expanded the playbook a little bit more. And this notion that the 49ers cannot be Super Bowl contenders under Brock Purdy is false. We know defensively the 49ers have the best defense in the NFL under defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Their defense is loaded. They got Nick Bosa up front. They got Fred Warner as well. They got Dre Greenlaw who had an interception in this game. They still got Arik Armstead as well. This 49ers defense is loaded. And this is a team that lost Emmanuel Mosley. They lost Emmanuel Mosley, who's on IR, but they got they still got Tredarius Ward. They still got Jimmy Ward in their secondary. They have an elite defense, the best defense in the NFL, and they made Tom Brady look like he was the inexperienced quarterback, not Brock Purdy. Purdy looked good against that Buccaneers defense. It was Tom Brady who looked confused and thrown off in this football game. We all know that Tom Brady, he's from the West Coast, and his family got tickets to this game. I know they watched this game, and they were disappointed watching this game because it was a complete beatdown. I mean, it was a complete beatdown that took place in San Francisco Sunday afternoon. Brock Purdy, 16 of 21, 185 passing yards, two touchdowns, one interception. His QBR was 92.8. That's the best by a 49ers quarterback in a game this season. So when I look at this 49ers football team and whether or not they can go on a run in the NFC, I don't see a drop-off at quarterback under Purdy while he's replacing Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't forget, Jimmy G. In the postseason, he doesn't play well. This is Jimmy Garoppolo in six career playoff starts. He has four touchdowns, six interceptions, 160 passing yards. His passer rating is 74.1. And in the fourth quarter of those six career playoff starts, Jimmy G has zero touchdowns, three interceptions. His passer rating is 28. So when Brock Purdy gets to the playoffs, he has nowhere to go but up. And I think Kyle Shanahan, knowing that he's playing with his third quarterback this season, because remember, they started the season with Trey Lance and then transitioned to Jimmy Garoppolo once Trey Lance shattered his ankle and was done for the season, they transitioned to Jimmy G. And now they're on Brock Purdy. I think Kyle Shanahan has the mentality, we're playing with house money. We are playing with house money at this point. 
And we know Kyle Shanahan is a sensational head coach. Kyle Shanahan is 48 and 46. So he's won 51% of his games. The only question about Kyle Shanahan is whether or not he can finish the deal in the second half of Super Bowls. That's about the only question we got about Kyle Shanahan and his ability as a head coach. We've seen him blow two second-half leads in the Super Bowl. It happened as the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons in 2016 when Matt Ryan was the quarterback in Matt Ryan's MVP season. And it happened a few years ago when he was the head coach at San Fran against the Chiefs. So we, the only question we got about him is the second half in Super Bowls. Besides that, we know Kyle Shanahan can coach. So I think the 49ers are in a good position in the NFC West. And as a Packers fan, I'm rooting for the 49ers Thursday night in Seattle against Geno Smith and the Seahawks because I'm trying to get back into that playoff race. And the 49ers might be able to help the Packers out in that playoff race if they beat the seven and six Seattle Seahawks. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Coming at the break, I'm going to discuss the LA Clippers. I'll be right back. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Let's transition. Back to the NBA, and let's talk about the L.A. Clippers, ladies and gentlemen. The Clippers beat the Celtics 113-93. to They improved to 16-13 and on the season. They are currently seventh in the Western Conference. So when I talk about the L.A. Clippers and whether or not the Clippers are a threat to win the Western Conference, I believe that if, and this is a big if, it's, and this is the, the one thing that we question about the Clippers, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are both healthy, yes, the Clippers are a threat in the Western Conference. The same way that I view the Pelicans, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, you can throw the Clippers in the mix as well. Because it shows that the Clippers are a better basketball team with both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. Without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers are 2-5 and five on the season. They average 106 points per game, and they give up 115 total points per game. And they've allowed 100 plus points in all seven games without 
PG, and Kawhi. Now, this is with Kawhi and PG. The Clippers are 6-2. and two. They average 109 points per game, and they only give up 104 points per game. So the numbers support the argument for the Clippers being a complete basketball team when they have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I believe that if they are healthy and they are playing at an elite level, absolutely the Clippers are a threat in the Western Conference. I love the makeup of their roster. You got Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson for the season, he's averaging 13 points per game, three rebounds per game, four assists. So we know Reggie Jackson is, is one of those premier scorers on that Clippers basketball team. I believe that some nights Reggie Jackson can drop 35 points. There's been nights that Reggie Jackson has lit up opposing teams when they played the Clippers. A few years ago, when the Clippers were in the Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns, when Kawhi Leonard was out in that series and it was just Paul George, Reggie Jackson stepped up in a big way for the Clippers, and he can score at a very, very high level. He's been a scorer since he's been in the NBA, a premier scorer. They got Powell as well. I like Norman Powell. I think Norman Powell is a reliable scoring option who you can depend on. For the season, he's averaging 15 points per game, one assist, three rebounds, but he's a slasher. You know, you know that that Powell can definitely get to the rim, finish at the rim. He can definitely hit perimeter shots as well. When I was a Blazers fan, when Melo was in Portland with Dame and CJ, I loved the way that Norman Powell played. I really, really did. I thought he was a key contributor on those Blazers teams that were in the playoffs. They still got John Wall, and we know John Wall is trying to revitalize his career. I was watching the game the other night when the Clippers were in the nation's capital against the Wizards. John Wall hit a three, and he said, this still my city. I love seeing that. I love seeing John Wall play at a high level. I've wanted John Wall to get back to playing basketball and being a key contributor in the NBA, and he's doing just that on this Clippers basketball team. Terrence Mann in the Western Conference Finals a few years ago, he was sensational for the Clippers. He elevated his game and helped them on that playoff run. So I, I really, really like the way this Clippers team is built, and they are definitely contenders in the Western Conference. And I haven't even talked about Ty Lue. I think Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the NBA. When you talk about best coaches in the NBA, I think about Greg Popovich. I think about Eric Spolstra. I think about Ime Udoka, despite him being suspended right now in Boston. You got to have Ty Lue in that conversation as well. Ty Lue is one of the premier coaches in the NBA. He was a great role player as a player during his tenure in the NBA, but he's transitioned very, very well as a head coach. Won an NBA championship in Cleveland with LeBron and Kyrie. So I love the way this Clippers team is built. 
Steve Ballmer, the owner for the Clippers, he has to be excited about this Clippers roster overall. And they are sleepers in the Western Conference. I can't believe I'm saying a team with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are sleepers in the West. But right now, ain't nobody talking about the L.A. Clippers. People are talking about the Pelicans. They're talking about the Warriors, the Grizzlies. No one's talking about the L.A. Clippers. They are the best team in L.A. They always beat the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, since LeBron has been in L.A., I don't think he's beating the Clippers yet. I could be wrong about that, but I don't believe he's beating the Clippers yet. So Clippers are definitely a sleeper in the Western Conference. And when I think about best duos in the NBA, I, I believe you got to add Paul George and Kawhi Leonard into that conversation when they are healthy. When I think about duos, I think about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. I think about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think about Joel Embiid and James Harden. I think about Giannis and Middleton in Milwaukee. you got to add Kawhi Leonard and Paul George into that conversation as well. you gotta, you got to have them in there because Kawhi Leonard has won an NBA championship. He's won NBA Defensive Player of the Year award as well. So I think this, this, this Clippers basketball team defensively when they're at their best, can be one of the best teams in the NBA defensively. Now, they're, third, they're the third worst offensive team in the NBA, which is kind of surprising, but I expect that to get better as the season goes along and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George play in more games. So that's my take on the L.A. Clippers as a basketball team. going to be interesting to see in the Western Conference who, who, who comes out of the West. But you got to definitely keep them in that conversation. Everybody, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow the Wise Guys at Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget on Thursday night's show, it's going to be my preview of NFL Week 15. You can always call into the show and talk some sports with me. Everybody, enjoy your Tuesday night. It's Taco Tuesday. We're getting closer to Christmas, closer to the end of the year. Join me Thursday night on the show. Have a great night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.